This podcast was recorded on stolen land. I pay my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, their elders, past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. I know what you're probably thinking. It's another white woman uh, on a true crime podcast. Like we need more of those. And to that, I guess I just have to say, yes, that is like exactly what's happening. So just buckle up because here I am. (laughs) But this isn't just a true crime podcast. I'm sure there will be elements of that within it, but I've always been more interested in the supernatural. I want to talk about what other people won't believe in. And I think that once you begin to explore these subjects, everybody is sitting on a story. Everyone has experienced something in their life that they've never been able to explain. And once you open up and say, hey, I've had weird stuff happen to me too, slowly people come out of the woodwork and before you know it, you're faced to look at the reality of the world we live in with a huge question mark over everything we've ever told ourselves wasn't true. So everyone has a story. And if my therapist has taught me anything, it's that if you want people to share your stories, you have to be vulnerable first. And I'm really sick of that phrase. I believe that you believe that you saw what you saw, which is like a really nice way of saying you're completely off your head. So I'm going to start this with my own story, with the thing that has haunted me for a little over a year now. And that I will never be able to know what really happened that night. And that my whole family doesn't talk about. So, welcome to Ghoul School. My name's Tess. And this is my story. And I think I'm going to call it The Man Made of Wax. It all started in early 2020. My family moved homes. To a lovely little town in rural Victoria and after about a week of them living there I went along to stay just for a few days and welcome my family to that part of the country. There was a modern section which had been renovated quite recently and then there was an older part of the house that was over 100 years old. As I got there my parents happily announced that They had moved all of the things from my childhood bedroom into one of the oldest bedrooms in the house and that it should feel like home pretty quickly because of that. And I walked in really happily because it did already feel so safe there. First couple of nights went through without any incident. It was a strange old house, but it felt welcoming and warm and I couldn't complain about anything. After the first few nights had passed, I began to sleep a little fretfully. The room was very dark and very old and despite all of my old things being in there it didn't quite feel right. On the fourth night I woke up at 4am and uh, there was something at the end of my bed. I stopped for a moment. I looked at it thinking that it was a pile of coats that had morphed strangely in my nightmare-induced brain. Maybe I was suffering my first ever bout of sleep paralysis and I had found a new demon. 
Or perhaps it was just some weird laggy sleep response. So I wasn't afraid. I propped myself up onto my elbows and waited for the thing to manifest into a chair or part of the wall. But it didn't, it became more solid. And my eyes couldn't betray me. There was a man standing at the end of my bed. I moved around hoping that my body would stiffen and it would be some form of sleep paralysis, but it wasn't. I was wide awake and he was looking right at me. I still struggle to properly describe him to people. He looked unlike anything I've ever seen before and I doubt I ever will again. To say he looked dead would be an understatement. He was short for a guy, maybe 5'4", 5'5". Emaciated, he was so thin and his clothes swamped up his tiny frame. He wore baggy, dark wash jeans, all torn up, a shirt buttoned down, and a torn up leather motorbike jacket. And it was in tatters off his body. It looked like he'd been pulled out of the ground, literally. You could see the dirt marks. He wore a bandana and he had a small, circular earring on his right earlobe. So his face was the only thing that I could really discern any features from. And his face was the one thing I couldn't take my eyes off. His skin fell in flaps from his bones. It was yellow in color like all blood, sinew and breath had drifted from his body years ago and what was left was a skeletal frame with a rubbery outside. He looked completely made out of candle wax, but he moved. I could see his chest rising and falling though, he didn't look to take a breath. It was like his body was used to that response when surrounded by oxygen and it was simply doing as it always had. His face was set in a grim line. He stared at me as if unhappy to find me in his room. He had a small amount of grizzled facial hair, a large nose, again covered in that cold rubber-like skin. And when my eyes finally drifted up to meet his, I couldn't look away because to say that he had eyes would be an inaccuracy at the very least. He didn't have eyes, he had pits. He had holes of depth and darkness in his face that he was clearly using to see because they stared me down. I could see his skin falling in to form the wells where his irises should have been and it felt like something could have crawled out of there and at me. And yet all he did was stand, watch and wait for me to do something. I propped myself up in bed still hoping that some form of this nightmare would disappear as I was obviously awake. 
but it didn't. He just moved so as to observe me better from that position. I took a few deep breaths. I pinched myself. I squinted hard, batted my eyes. I did everything I could think of to prove that he wasn't there, and every time he looked on at me, not willing to explain why he was there, what he was doing, or how he lived. At this point in time, I did probably one of the more stupid things I've done in my life. I got out my phone and I texted my boyfriend. I'm looking at a ghost. Lol. (laughs) I could have taken a photo. I could have taken a video. I could have done anything to prove to myself or to others that I had seen what I saw. But instead, I felt like I had to just prove it to myself with being able to look on that text message later and say, no, that really did happen. And in hindsight, I'm happy that I didn't take any evidence of his being there because I don't think he would have liked it. As I said, it didn't seem like he was happy to see me. And I think to have attempted to take some kind of video or photograph, I think it would have tempted him to do some harm that night. I can't say for sure. Anyway, I sent a message to my boyfriend and afterwards I sat there pondering at what my next move would be. He clearly was not going to be disturbed by me and I didn't know what to do next. Do I simply fall asleep full well in the knowledge that he looks at me while I'm napping? I didn't think that was a good option, but lucky for me, I have one, well, I had one particularly interesting grandmother with a very long and strong history of seeing ghosts. She'd claimed these ghost stories since I was a kid and told me all about seeing children playing in her garden and old war heroes coming down the stairs of her house. She was passionate to say the least, but I would be lying if I said anybody in my family really believed her. But me, as a kid, was completely taken by her ghost stories and at the age of six years old I asked her what do I do granny what do I do if I ever see one and she said that it's quite simple you just tell them that you are looking after their space that they are not needed or wanted and you allow them to go invoking the name of whichever god you see the most fit for that moment And in reaching to a higher power, you give them permission to escape. So, at 4am in a bedroom that was mine, but at the same time not mine, I invoked the name of an old god. I told him that his place was safe, that we were going to look after it, and that it was okay for him to leave. I closed my eyes as I said these words and when I opened them, he cocked an eyebrow, he tilted his head and he walked through the wall behind him and out of the house. I did actually get back to sleep that night. 
I'm not entirely sure how. And I woke up later than everybody else in my family because I'd spent a good amount of time up in the night trying to sort out my ghost problem. I walked out, it was a gorgeous sunny day and my family were sitting around the kitchen table sipping tea and reading newspapers. The whole thing was incredibly idyllic and I didn't know how I was going to break the news that this new home of ours was haunted. And for a moment I considered keeping it to myself but I'm really bad at that. My mother asked, how did you sleep? And I responded, yeah, pretty good. Saw a ghost last night. There was complete silence. The reaction was pretty comical. I think they all thought I was just trying to have a laugh with them, but my mum's face immediately paled and her jaw hung open a little bit. And instead of questioning me and calling me out for what I assumed they thought was BS, my mum just said, what time was that? About 4am, I replied. She nodded. I heard something at 4am, she said. And it was my turn to be surprised as she wound her version of the tale, where she had heard at 4am someone stomping around the house, to the extent that she thought we had been broken into, and she'd woken up my father sleeping next to her. She'd been up for ages while she heard someone moving around, it had scared her witless, but she'd never got out of bed to check herself. It is worth noting that my father's response was, don't be stupid, and he just rolled over and went back to bed. And my mum was sure he was right. She was probably just hearing things. It was an old house. They weren't used to the noises, the creaks that it just naturally made settling in the night. There was no reason to think that anything was wrong. So after a while, she had got back to sleep herself. My dad was quite sure he'd heard nothing, and my brother also thought that I was being silly. But after a short discussion on other topics, my brother Sam took me aside as well and said, I had a weird night too. Him and his partner had been up in the cottage on a separate part of the property, and he said that they had been so spooked with an unnatural feeling all night that they hadn't slept. And in fact, they had kept the cottage lit up all night because something told them not to immerse themselves in darkness in that moment. Every single member of my family, bar my father, experienced something strange that night. All at 4am, all in different parts of the property, and each one of us feeling like we couldn't explain what had happened to each other. And living in a particularly spiritual part of town, I knew just what to do. I walked up to a shop and I bought some sage. I had really not any idea of what I was doing, but all I knew is that it was meant to cleanse negative energy from a new space. And it seemed as good as anything to try and get rid of our problem. I took the sage, I burnt it, through every doorway, every room, all over the property. And the rest of my family actually laughed at me a little bit, thinking that I was perhaps going a little bit overboard. Until night fell again that night, and every single member of the family took me aside separately to ask if I had done their room too. 
So obviously, once faced with the fear again, they decided they quite liked my tactics. We never saw the ghost again. We've never even had a particularly sleepless night since then. That home is filled with light and love and peace and goodness, but whatever we experienced that night, we experienced together. It was very real and very scary. But we're safe. We just don't know what happened. So that's the end of the story that inspired me to make this series and this podcast. But next I want to hear from others. I want to hear your personal experiences with the supernatural and hopefully somewhere along the way we can corroborate and figure out what's been going on. Or maybe we'll just all get together and be frightened. I don't know. There are options abound and I'm really willing to see where this goes. So like my Facebook page, Ghoul School Podcast, there will be more social medias incoming. My next upload will be in two weeks. Today's words were by me, Tess Rooney. Our theme song was by Ed Hunting. The cover art was by Henry Kelly. And the other music today was provided by Star Diva and Fesley and Studios. I'll catch you guys soon. Bye.